Good morning, church. You know, as this year started, I had a bunch of expectations about how things were going to go in 2020. And the past three months, they have totally shattered, destroyed those expectations. And I'm, I'm sure the same is true for you. None of us expected this year to go this way. I mean, I didn't expect to, to have to preach to an empty auditorium with a couple of cameras and Stephen. And you didn't expect that the only way that you were going to get to participate in our weekly worship gatherings was online through an electronic screen. None of us expected that all the places we're used to going to every single day were suddenly going to shut down and close. We didn't expect to have to make important life decisions based on such limited and always changing information. And I know that I didn't start out thinking that I was going to have to wonder about and worry about my own personal supply of toilet paper and hand sanitizer. I mean, COVID-19 has, has made it impossible for us to know what's going to happen next. And while that can be enjoyable or entertaining or exciting when you're reading a book or watching a movie, you know, in real life, when you can't know what's going to happen next, that's not exciting, that's exhausting. And then when you take everything else that's going on in our world on top of coronavirus, it's, it's almost too much to bear. Uh, the roller coaster state of the economy, the, the ongoing uh, simmering tensions that, that have to do with, with racial relationships and racial issues, the, the, the toxic partisanship in our politics, the distrust, the discord. I, I honestly don't remember a time in my life where I felt so emotionally stretched thin so, so emotionally drained. I don't remember a time that I have felt this unsettled for this long. And, and it's not just the uncertainty that's getting to me. It's also the sense of separation from other people. Now, I know for some of you that may be a surprise. You know, if you know me, you know that I'm pretty much a textbook introvert. If, if I spend a lot of time with a lot of people, then I've got to have some alone time in order to recharge, right, to, to renew myself. But I got to tell you, even as a textbook introvert, I've had enough in fact, I had enough weeks ago, and as much as it's been an incredible blessing, and it really has, for me and my family to be together, the four of us, in our home, to spend unexpected time together, we've kind of reached a place where, as much as that's good, we're, we're really missing that larger sense of community that comes from being able to spend social time with, with families and, and friends that, that we don't always get to see. And even though, lately especially, we've started to be able to spend a little bit of time with those folks, it's not anything like the way it was before. You know, the truth is, some of you watching this, this live stream worship gathering, you're in a high-risk category. And and maybe that means you haven't even started to venture out. Maybe it means that you really shouldn't venture out yet. Some of you are in a high-risk category, and you happen to live by yourself. You live alone. And if that's true, then, then what that means is you have to be fighting against, struggling against feelings of loneliness and isolation that are, are more real and more intense than they've ever been before. And, and so all of us, I think it's safe to say, we really we really miss what our normal, everyday lives were like back before, back before everything started to go sideways. And we desperately want to get back to that place again. I get it. I have all of those same thoughts. I have all of those same feelings. But the truth is, brothers and sisters, it's not that simple. You know, it's not like there's some imaginary rewind button that we can press and go back and then edit out the last 13 weeks, the last three months, and, and act like they didn't happen and the thing is, I'm not even sure that if we could, that we should. Because in our rush to get back, I'm afraid that we might miss the incredibly unique opportunity that this moment in time is offering us to at least consider 
what all is worth rushing back to in our lives? You know, here in Abilene, the active number of known COVID cases has been steadily decreasing all month. Our hospital systems aren't even close to being overwhelmed. And what that means is that shops and restaurants and businesses have all started to gradually reopen, even if they have to reopen at reduced capacity, even if we have to practice various forms of physical distancing. And unless we see a local outbreak or, or local spike, things are going to gradually reopen more and more fully. So before we get all the way there, I want us to stop for a moment and ask ourselves a really important question. What about our pre-COVID world is worth holding on to? And what is worth walking away from? What do we want to recapture? What do we want to reject? We aren't just stuck in some kind of holding pattern waiting for this pandemic to end. We also have this unique moment in time where it's not just about something ending, it can be about something beginning. This can mark the beginning of, of a brand new way of life for you and for me. So I ask you again, what from our pre-COVID world is worth holding on to and what is worth walking away from? I'm sure we would all answer that question a little bit differently. Uh, we'd all talk about different things that, that we miss and, and, and we don't miss about how things used to be not that long ago. But before we get too far down the road of trying to answer that question, each of us for ourselves, I want us to take a moment and listen to the Apostle Paul as he describes, look, if, if, if you're going to choose what kind of life you're going to live, this is the kind of everyday life that Christians should be striving to live, regardless of the situation we find ourselves in. So if we find ourselves in a moment of reflection and asking ourselves, who do we want to be? What kind of choice do we want to make about what we hold on to and what we walk away from? I want the Apostle Paul's words to be ringing in our hearts. Let's listen to them now. Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. In accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere, so hate what's evil, cling to what's good. Be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. What from our pre-COVID world is worth holding on to? And what is worth walking away from? You know, as I consider that question, in light of the words from Paul that we've just listened to together, I think my answer would sound something like this. I want to hold on to real-life connections. I want to walk away from unrealistic expectations. I want to hold on to real-life connections. I want to walk away from unrealistic expectations. I want to, like Paul says, commit my time and my energy and my effort 
to, to both experiencing and, and helping other people experience the truth that, that we're all connected, that we're all a, a part of one body, that we all belong to the same family. And more than just belonging to the same family, every single one of us brings different gifts with us to the family. Gifts that are not intended for us alone. We, we can only use the gifts that Paul talks about if somebody else is present, if somebody else is with us. I mean, you, you can't prophesy if there's no one to hear it. You can't serve unless you're with someone who's in need of some help. You, you can't teach if there's no one to instruct. You can't encourage if there's no one to receive it. You can't give if there's no one there with you who could use some additional resources. You can't lead if there's no one to guide to a better place. And you can't show mercy if there's no one in your life who needs a second chance. The spiritual gifts and the talents that God has given me, they're not actually for me. They're for you. And in the same way that the spiritual gifts, the talents that God has given you, they are intended to bless others more than they're intended to bless you. God gifts us, in other words, so that we not only make real-life connections with one another, but, but so that we can also bless one another through those connections. It's not enough, brothers and sisters, for us to simply relate to one another. We need to be always striving to share Christ as we relate to one another. This season of separation that we've been living through, it hasn't been easy, but it has been clarifying. It's made some things crystal clear to me, more clear than they've ever been before. And one of those things is that we don't just need to see one another through screens. Eventually, we need to be able to gather together physically in the same space. Even if we have to say six feet apart, we need to see one another face to face, even if at times we have to wear masks. There's a reason that Jesus came to the earth in the flesh. You know, he didn't just kind of appear in a vision or somewhere in the sky. Christ physically came here to be with us, to share the same space with us. Brothers and sisters, we need to make the commitment to live in that same way. And I know because of, of this virus that it takes more thoughtfulness, it takes more creativity to be with people. But we can do it. We can be faithful in that calling. You know, as I think about those of us in this, this community— who belong to that high-risk group, the elderly, or, or those of any age who have underlying medical conditions. And on top of that, those who may be in a high-risk group who also happen to live alone. You know, I, I am really concerned that those of us who may be uh, able to, to gradually start to go back to normal in our lives, we're going to forget that there's people who, because of the condition they're in, they can't. And I don't want anybody to feel like they've been forgotten or left behind. And so, brothers and sisters, I really want us as a church family to make the commitment to find a way to be there for people who have been struggling with isolation, and because of their, their medical condition, they're going to continue to struggle with isolation. We need to be there. We need to get in our car, if it's far enough, or, or walk out outside of our front door and, and go to their house. We need to find a way to get to where they live. We need to talk to them face-to-face. -face. If, we, if we've got to figure out how to do that on their front porch or out in their yard, someplace that keeps them safe but allows us to share the same space somehow with them, not just talk to them for a few moments, ask them what they need, but not just ask them what they need, stay there and visit and have that real-life human connection that we all need. We need that experience. And we need to make sure that we're committed to giving that part of ourselves to one another. I don't want anybody to stay isolated, 
to stay alone when as a community of faith, we have committed to not only follow Jesus, but to follow Jesus together, to be there for one another. We need to do that, not just once, but over and over again, as long as they need it. It pains me to say this, but the truth is, in a church our size, there simply aren't enough elders and ministers on staff to make sure that every single person has that connection. That there's no way to guarantee that, that no one's going to be overlooked, that no one's going to slip through the cracks. And, and I'm telling you, that cannot happen. We have to find a way to be there for every single person. And so I am asking everyone in our church family, everyone watching this, I'm asking you, if you're in a place where you're not in a high-risk category for, for COVID, make the personal decision that you're going to serve a specific someone else by showing up and being there for them. Choose someone who needs that real-life sense of connection and be that connection for them in Jesus' name. As I think about how I want to spend my life going forward, in addition to holding on to real-life connections, I also want to walk away from unrealistic expectations. Paul says we need to cling to all the good that's always there, but is sometimes really difficult for us to see. He says that we need to choose to be devoted to one another, to honor other people more than we seek to honor ourselves. He, he talks about this, this life where we're throwing all of our excitement and all of our energy into trying to become more and more like Jesus. He says that we should be joyful in hope and patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. He says that we need to use the, the financial resources we have to give generously to help those who are in need. He says we need to live lives of hospitality lives of openness and welcome. And the reality is, if you and I could just all of a sudden say, you know what, I'm going to live that way perfectly. Well, what that would mean is we would instantly stop having any difficulty in our relationships. We would stop having uh, disappointing interactions with people. We would always treat one another with respect. We would find a way in difficult moments to make peace. I mean, we would have disagreements, but we would find a way to not allow those disagreements to spiral out of control, uh, to be toxic, to get petty or ugly. We, we would still make mistakes, but we would own up to those mistakes. We would face them, confess them, and we would both ask and receive and offer grace and mercy so that we could find a way forward in that relationship. If something became an obstacle that, that we were all having to deal with, we would band together as a family and we would overcome that problem together. But here's the thing. Expecting every single one of us to immediately start living this way because we read it in Romans 12, that is a surefire way for us to set ourselves up for some incredibly unrealistic expectations. And the moment we all fail, and we will all fail to live up to those expectations, we're going to find ourselves running straight into feelings of frustration and irritation, both at ourselves and at all the other people around us who are not perfectly living exactly the way Jesus has shown us we should live. You know, as I think about us all gathering together again, those of us who, who are not in that high-risk category, coming back to this place a week from now, next Sunday, you know, I think it, it would probably be really good for, for us to, to think through the ways things are going to be different than we're used to. And what that means at some level is things are going to be different than we might expect. I mean, with the fact that people can have COVID-19 and not even know it, uh, we're going to have to take significant safety steps, right? We're going to have to implement safety measures that are going to make things feel different. 
And in some ways, I think we're going to have to admit it, it might experientially be a little bit of a letdown. We've been waiting for 13 weeks to see one another again, to come back to this place again, and for that to be something that we can do responsibly and, and safely. But it's going to be different. And, and we're going to have to work intentionally to cling, as Paul says, to cling to the good, to focus on all the good that comes from being able to share the same space again, even if it's a little awkward, even if there's, there's distance that we have to maintain that makes us long for a way to get back to when things were normal. We're going to have to choose not to focus solely on how frustrating it is that things are different, that they feel different. We're going to have to decide to live in a way that, well, if we're going to be devoted to one another, it means we're going to have to show one another patience and, and gentleness and kindness. And I can't speak for anyone else, but, you know, I don't, I don't find that patience and gentleness and kindness come easily to me when I'm frustrated. I mean, they never come easily to me when I'm frustrated. It's always a choice I have to make. I have to really work at it. And the first step, at least for me, is to consciously adjust my expectations. Before I get into a situation or an interaction or a conversation, I have to adjust my expectations for how it's going to go. Life isn't perfect. As my dad used to always tell me as I was growing up, life isn't fair. You know, people don't always act the way I think they will or think they should. I don't always react or respond in ways that I know I should. And, and because of that, I need to remember it. And, and with grace, I need to cut myself and other people a little slack. I need to slow down, take a deep breath, and accept the reality of the way things actually are. And receive the goodness there. Instead of being angry that things aren't perfectly exactly the way I want them to be. You know, I, I've heard this statement over and over in my life, and yet I need to hear it again. Perfect is the enemy of good. Things don't have to go perfectly for things to be a blessing. Things don't have to go perfectly for things to be worth it. That's true in every aspect of our lives, and it is especially true as we think about the life we share in this one body together, in this one family together. Brothers and sisters, we, every single day, we wake up and we have a choice to make about who we want to be, who we're going to be, how we're going to act, what we're going to do. That's always true, but we're usually running around so fast and we have so many things going on, we don't actually capture that moment of reflection. This is that moment for us. As, as our community starts to gradually reopen and things start to gradually speed back up, we need to wrestle with the choice what are we going to hold on to? What are we going to walk away from? I don't want us to just mindlessly rush back to the way things used to be. I want us to think about what, what is worth rushing back to. It's your choice. I want you to live with that choice this week. What are you going to hold on to? What are you going to walk away from? You have to come to a place where you have your answer. My prayer is that as we consider that choice together, each one of us chooses wisely. Let's sing together now.